0: you know we have so much bread is simply seen as a side and it's not a staple anymore what did jesus say then what did he mean when he said i am the bread of life you know during my teenage years bread was used as a figure of speech for money and white bread at that time and was all of a sudden decided he was unhealthy. And so we all started eating whole wheat bread. How many times have you ever heard someone said that something was the best thing they've seen since sliced bread? Which, if you are wondering when that happened, is clean-made sliced bread was introduced on July 7th, 1928. And it really caught on. And winter bread started selling sliced bread across the United States and Canada in 1930, but most of the bakers in the country go, eh, it's just a fad. They'll quit doing that. There are things that have been around longer than sliced bread, like Kool-Aid and jelly beans and Betty White. But (laughs) in Australia, there are bakeries called hot bread shops on every corner, and you can get amazing hot bread there anytime time you want in egypt no meal was complete without a stack of bread and the bread there is called ash baladi and ash baladi it's like pita but it's not pita ash means life and baladi means tradition and historically we are told that the art of making baking bread that of baking bread it originated in egypt so it's kind of fitting one egyptian proverb tells rather a piece of bread with a happy heart than wealth with grief. And I like this one. The Russian proverb says, with a piece of bread in your hand, you'll find paradise under a pine tree. And of last but not least, Bert Lancaster goes, when I go to a restaurant, I judge it by the bread and by the coffee. So it is any wonder then that Jesus described himself as a metaphor for bread. I mean, at one time in the Bible, Jesus called himself, I am. Remember that? And, and when he said that, that incited the crowd and they tried to stone him. And because they recognized it as a state, statement of his deity, that is through that statement, Jesus was claiming, But he also said, I am the light of the world. He also said, I am the gate. Today, I'm looking at John chapter six, when he said, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And over the next 25 verses, that's in verse 35. In the next 25 verses, he repeats that statement multiple times. John 6, start in John 6, verse 35. In a time and a culture, there are so many different food options that we have. That doesn't seem today to really seem that important of a statement. Today, there's so many choices for what we want to eat, but 2,000 years ago, the metaphor of bread spoke volumes to those who heard Jesus' words. They're thinking, what does he mean? He wants us to eat him? The word bread is first found in the book of Genesis and it is found woven throughout the Old and New Testament. Bread is an integral part of the Old Testament stories from Abraham to Moses, from David to Elijah. There are laws and regulations laid down in Leviticus and Deuteronomy that reference bread and how it was to be used for various offerings. David includes bread in the poetry of the Psalms. Solomon speaks of it in the wisdom and the literature of the Proverbs. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the first thing that he was tempted with was bread. And at the Last Supper, when he was looking for something to illustrate his suffering and death, he spoke of Bread. And of course, one of the requests of the Lord's place is give us this day our daily bread. The question is, what does it mean for us today? It's difficult to fully understand what Christ's words mean when you just don't look at the backstory. You just take them out of context. And so much with people, when they explain the Bible to you, they try to do that. The story begins in chapter six with Jesus teaching on the swords of Galilee. The day ends, remember, with the miracle of the loaves and the fishes and Jesus feeds thousands of people with five small barley loaves and two fish. After the crowd had been fed and dispersed, Jesus sends the apostle, all the apostles in Peter's boat across the Galilee. And a storm suddenly comes up and he threatens to sink the boat. But Jesus appears walking on the water and calms the storm. The next part Next morning, the crowd realizing that Jesus and the 12 have left, they follow them to the other side of the lake. And it's there that Jesus can, he confronts their motives. John 6, 26 says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me, listen to this, because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous sign. So it begins with an awkward truth. If we are honest, we all want something. At some point, we all ask the important question, Hey, what's in this for me? And sometimes that's not a bad question to ask, but sometimes it can be. You know, today's churches offer a lot to get you to come to church. You know, they tell. I hear stories about barbecues and bouncy castles and concerts, and, and I'm reminded of a quote that was attributed to Charles Spurgeon, which, if he actually said this, is that if you have to give a carnival to get people to come to church, then you'll have to keep giving carnivals to keep them coming back. But Jesus knew that if the crowd was only following for the miracles, eventually the shine would wear off. Instead of being satisfied with loaves and fishes, eventually they would want chocolate cake and beefsteaks. And pretty soon they would wonder if Jesus would make them rich. What does that sound like today? When you think of all the people that Jesus fed, at the, on, their net, on that shore. Think about the thousands that fed him. They weren't any, anywhere in sight when he was arrested and crucified. Then you realize the t- truth of his statement. Many who were following him were simply fair-weather friends who were following him for a free lunch, for a free healing. And they disappeared when the blue skies disappeared, and that's where we pick up the story in the Scripture this morning, John 6, 30, 31, They said, "Guess what?" They say, "Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you." What can you do? After all, our ancestors they ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The Scripture said Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat, So, let's start with the fact that they knew at least what they wanted. They were truthful about it. They said, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. You've got to give them credit for their honesty. They're up front about what they wanted. It's like the kids that were standing in the Catholic school line and the nuns, The first item on the lunch line was a big tray of sliced bread with butter on it. And a nun put a sign behind it that said, Take one. God is watching. And as the children went down the line to take the different, they got to the end of the line. There was a big plate of chocolate chip cookies. And one of the boys just started, sticking them in his pockets and on his plate. And the other one behind him says, what are you doing? He goes, take as many as you want. God's watching the bread. Some people come to Jesus looking for healing. Others look for material blessings to have their marriage restored. Or folks attending church sometimes come because they see a solution to all their problems in life. Or perhaps they want to help they want help with the parenting or to help in conquering their bad habits. And they're basically saying along with the crowd, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? There's a line that supposedly Herod saying that says, I am waiting. Yes, I'm a captive fan. I'm dying to be shown that you are not just any man. Feed my whole household with this bread. You can do it on your head. But more than the crowd simply asked Jesus to prove himself, each one of them were asking, What can you do for me? And that day they were looking for something simple. They just wanted lunch. If Jesus was able to feed them yesterday with those loaves and the fishes, why couldn't he feed them today? Maybe the loaves and fishes hadn't just been multiplied. Maybe they had been transformed and had become the most incredible filet of fish sandwiches they had ever tasted. I mean, that had happened when Jesus turned the water into wine. I mean, we were told that it wasn't just any wine, but it was really good wine. And he could do that. Why couldn't he make really good sandwiches? The bottom line is that they were looking for a miracle and that would satisfy their immediate need. They were hungry, and they wanted Jesus to fix their problem by feeding them. They knew what they needed in their minds. What did they need? They needed lunch. It was Mahatma Gandhi. I think this is a great statement. And we have to remember it when you reach out to people. And I mean the forlorn, down-and-out people. And you have to use this as a personification because it's just not food. But Mahatma Gandhi said, there are the people in this world that are so hungry that God cannot appear to them except in the form of bread. But in this case, they didn't need bread because they were starving. They simply wanted bread because they were hungry. It was an immediate problem. My stomach's growling now. Make a miracle to make it stop. Not all of our problems can be fixed immediately. Boyd Packard said, we need to seem to demand instant everything, including instant solutions to our problems. It was meant to be that life would be a challenge to suffer some anxiety some depression, some disappointment, even some failure is normal. That's what he said. What life is, and you would all agree that was true. So, in other words, if you want to demand to end of those things, the deny, to end depression, to end disappointment, then you also need to demand an end to life. The crowd that day was seeking immediate gratification. They wanted Jesus to provide them with lunch, and they wanted it right then and there. Often we are tempted to view the desire for instant gratification as a new problem. We live in a time of instant everything, courtesy of the electronic highway. See that buy button? Just push it. It creates a community of toddlers. When they don't get immediately gratification, people get petulant sulky and they start whining but long before there was an electronic highway there was a desire for I want it and I want it now when Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden they were tempted with the immediate think about it they were offered a taste of a forbidden fruit right then they were offered knowledge right then why wait you can have it right now Basically, the devil was asking him, why wait? Why wait? And the devil doesn't change his strategy when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. It worked with the first couple. So why mess around with success? With each of the temptations, Jesus was offered the immediate. He was hungry, so he could have bread right then. He could have the adulation of the crowd immediately. The devil offered him World domination right then. And each time, what did Jesus do? He went back to the Word of God and what was promised in the long game, the big picture. He didn't look at it right then. And you know as well as I do that Satan, when it tempts you or me, it does it with the immediate. With the immediate. If we stop and look at some of the things we've regretted in life, how often were the consequences of our actions directly connected to having to have it right now? Some of the stupid decisions I've ever made in my life was buying stuff because there was a deal on it right then. And some of these were big-ticket items. I didn't do my homework. Or someone said, this is really a deal. you got to grab it right now. And instead of thinking about it for three or four days, okay, yeah, all right. Three days later, what a deal! Would things have worked out better if I'd waited? Probably. In an article on instant gratification that I recently read, they give this list of situations where people seek instant gratification, addiction to substances, alcohol, smoking, drugs, sex, shopping, wasting time, social media, food, The list ended with this advice. You think think this is original advice? Once you know where you fall victim to instant gratification, use the first tip to avoid the temptation itself. And the first tip the article had given was eliminate the source distraction. In other words, avoid what tempts you. That almost sounds biblical, don't it? The reason is, it is biblical. Lead us not into temptation. Timothy was a young pastor who Paul was mentoring. And Paul offered his prodigy this advice in 2 Timothy 2. Run, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. So we now we know what the people wanted. Let's go on with what happened at the store. John 6, 32 to 33, Jesus said, guess what? I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They knew what they wanted. But Jesus knew what they needed. Jesus knew there at the end of the day, even if their physical hunger was satisfied with a filet of fish sandwich, they still would be hungry again the next day. You've heard, you've heard talk of the next big thing, you know, a bigger house, a faster computer, a nicer car, a more expensive But the reality is, even with that, without that, our physical hungers are only satisfied for a little while. Jesus goes back to the reference the crowd has made about how Moses provided their forefathers with manna in the wilderness. But every day with the Moses deal, what had to happen? They had to have manna again the next day. The miracle of the manna was only a temporary fix. It just solved the problem for that day. And the next day, more manna had to be provided. Our physical hungers can only be satisfied temporarily. It doesn't matter if you're craving food, or you're craving drink, or you're craving sex or emotional intimacy. The need constantly needs to be met again. Jesus knew that even if he provided a miracle and gave them bread, that tomorrow, And how often have we sought to fulfill a need thinking that if I do it, whatever it might be, I will be more satisfied. Only to realize that we should have waited. In John six thirty-five, Jesus said, then what? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So we looked at what they wanted and Jesus revealed to them what they needed. And here we see what Jesus offered. They wanted a snack and he offered them a feast. They wanted bread for that very moment and they were offered bread for eternity. Now, you know and I know that Jesus wasn't offering them physical food for the rest of their lives. You can find churches today that preach that prosperity gospel. That all you need to do is to name it and claim it. But even if that were true, that promise would only be good for a day or so. If we go back to the account of the account when devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness. When he told Jesus to prove himself by doing what? Turning the desert rocks into bread. Do you remember what Jesus reply was? Matthew 4. Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry during that time the devil came and said to him if you are the son of God tell those stones there to become loaves of bread but Jesus said no the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but they live by every word that comes from the mouth of So Jesus then was referencing a scripture that was talking about God providing manna for the Israelites in the wilderness. He was saying, we think we know what we need when we seek to fulfill these physical cravings, but there must be more to life than physical cravings. If that's all there is, eating enough for today, satisfying our sexual needs for today, having that glass of wine to get us through the evening. If that is all there is, we are just like any other creature. That all it does when it lives on earth is to seek to eat, sleep, and propagate. But we aren't any other animal. We were created in the image of God, the creator and master of the universe. And there's a deeper craving in it that we have to have the needs to be fulfilled. And that is what Jesus then was offering to fulfill with this statement, John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Regardless of what some people think about being a Christian, you don't have to involve poverty, sackcloth. You don't have to have wood ashes in your hair. You don't have to walk around with a perpetual frown on your face like someone just did something bad to you. Jesus, on the opposite, provided a rich and a satisfying life. Some translations use the phrase abundant life but in either case it is a word picture of a life full and more than full but it is a life where we have what our priorities straight jesus spells it out in matthew 6 31, 33 so don't worry about all these things saying what will we eat what will we drink what will we wear these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. In each of our decisions, if each of our decisions was governed by the principle first of seeking the kingdom of God above all else, how would that affect your choices? If you are wondering how that is even possible, it's spelled out in Galatians 5. So I say, let the Spirit guide your lives. It says in Galatians 5.16. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nation craves. And when you do that, you can go to Galatians 5.22, and it says, but the Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as far as that last time I looked, there's no laws against those things in this country. So two of those characteristics mentioned speak directly to what we've been looking at this morning. Patience and self-control. So... What are you looking for from Jesus? That which will satisfy you for today or that which will satisfy you forever. You know, Jesus said to the crowds, I, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Or in other words, if you could just, people, if you could just open your eyes that supernatural bread you are looking for is staring you right back in the face. But for many then, and for many now, that bread is just too hard to swallow. If he would have said to them, give to charity every day. Do yoga three times a day and you will Achieve eternal life. I mean, people will be jumping to it. But he said that eternal life, it wasn't a possession. It was a gift. A gift that was made possible by his death on a cross. And the cross is just not a pretty little piece of jewelry. It is a symbol of self-sacrifice and cruel, shameful death. It is a symbol that tells us he took the punishment for us. The message of Jesus then is simply this. If you want to get right with God, if you want to know what? That all the sins and the crap in your life will be forgiven. If you want eternal security, then Jesus is the bread of life for you. That bread that I talked about earlier, that's what love looks like. Let's pray. Lord, I know that I am no different than anyone sitting here that I focus on what I want today, what I got to get today, what I got to get this week, what I got to get tomorrow. And sometimes that energy that I use in achieving that puts off the eternal look. And I know as humans that we have a hard time what should I say, rationalizing things we have never seen or never felt or never experienced. We base all of our decisions on life on what's happened up to this particular day instead of letting you guide us. Now, sometimes that's hard to figure out how you are guiding us. Because we can pray about it and still fall back on what we want to do. But I guess as you get older, you got to learn to use discernment and find out in your heart the things that I'm going to do, are they from my own desires or from being a follower of you? Because it's pretty hard to distance yourself from this world at times. And you know that. But we just ask for help. And I thank you for each and every one of us that are here today and ask that you all go out with us and lead a life that you could be proud of and say, hey, that's my son or daughter out there. The advice I've given them, they're following. They must love me. I thank you, Father, for this, for the fact that we all have ears to hear and some people don't. So we are blessed. Amen.